Welcome to the Flipping the Field podcast, boys and girls. It's a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. It's the internet's only college football podcast. It's a marriage of numbers and words. And now that you know what's possible, let me tell you what's required. Patrick, how are you doing today? I was I was really good, actually, until that. I was doing really, really well until I heard that. Um uh, what do you mean? Uh, <laughs> we're just doing we're doing we're doing some SEO optimization on the uh, podcast. Yeah, I'm sure. we're we're just we're we're uh, they they call it sampling. We're <laughs> we're sampling <laughs> from other podcasts. I think that'd be cool. Actually, maybe we should start doing that. We should start just sampling other podcasts. <laughs> we pull we pull bits where they're like explaining for forty five minutes why um, Jawan Howard's punch was not actually a punch; it was a slap, and you should it's right. Important. It's it's actually racist if you don't make that distinction. <laughs> um, yeah. I was, I, I already, I was having an exchange earlier today on, on Twitter with our good friend, Thick Stauskas. Well, and, good. uh, that's, you don't ever you know, want to do that. I was just, you know, less, I'm sure you do the same thing as I was, but I was just reading, you know, we, we've unfortunately now have many more uh, Michigan fans in our social circle because of our interactions with our, with our dear friends, yeah. uh, at the bunker problem. And also because of but, our, our beliefs and the things that we say on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just trying to figure out like why all of them were, or just people in general were so irate about that, uh, that Wisconsin statement. And I literally couldn't find anything objectionable on the whole thing, but just everyone unanimously losing their minds over it. Like Wisconsin said that this is something racist about Juwan Howard or whatever. They're just saying like, yeah, it was bad. He did that. And, uh, we're going to pay the fine. Yeah. <laughs> why, is, why, why is everyone so mad about that? I, I think paying the fine is kind of... I mean, Greg Gard's a grown man. He could probably afford to pay a fine, but um, I do like the... I liked the reply of somebody saying, well, Greg Gard didn't play in the NBA. He doesn't have any money. He's broke. <laughs> he's, he's broke. He can't afford <laughs> to pay the fine. That was good. Yeah, that's, that's a good... Uh, that's, but then paying the fine is just saying, like, Greg Gard didn't do anything wrong. Sure, right? yeah, yeah. Hard, which, so like, it's, that's just it's their a, statement, which yeah, he, they're a, right about. Yeah, they're 100% standard. right about that. That's a standard. I don't I don't want to talk about the, the Jawan Howard thing a ton because we are... Uh, uh, I would say we actually, do have a question prob- about it. Yeah, we do have a question about it. We can we can get to that, but uh, we are probably I would say the least college basketball podcast in the entire, uh, maybe the whole world. Oh yeah, I really I I know I like I only talk about college college basketball if I'm advocating for a coach to get fired. It's yeah. my only engagement. With the sport. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how you like it. Is that you? Whenever it's time to fire Ohio State's coach, you will you will circle around and get that. Oh yeah, out I'm getting that. in there, or yeah. really anyone's coach. Like if you're a Big uh-huh. Ten program that I know a little bit about. You know, for example, if you're Ohio State or if you're Michigan or uh, probably some other teams, but mostly those two, uh, and it's time to fire your coach. Yeah. I'm in there. I'm yeah. in there, and I'm ready to go. Yeah, we are. We 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 are really. We just we want to see more people get unemployed. That's what we want. We we're, we're you know we're both job creators and job destroyers, and I think that that's what's really important about flipping the field. Um, I I did. I, that's some, right. Something that I did like. Do you want to just start with the Jawan Howard question here and get it out of the way? Yeah, hey, uh, hey, we're podcasting people unemployed. What are we, freaking Joe Biden? Yeah, so this is from Thick Stoskis, who, who says, can you explain why you are backing the blue regarding the Jawan Howard situation? Um, first of all, Thick Stoskis, I'm always backing the blue because I'm a Michigan fan. Um, but, That's right. But uh, in this case... And I'm backing the blue because we're pivoting to the Pod Save Network, and we are now going to be Pod Save the Field going forward. That's ooh, why I'm backing the blue. That'd be a fun, I think that'd be a fun, uh, a fun 
move for us. It would be exciting to see <laughs> how we handle having the Johns on the show because we have to explain to them like all of our all of our little bits and, and jokes. And every time we do, you can see them getting visibly more sort of frustrated and disappointed <laughs> with the fact that they're there. I think I think we should do an episode where we we spend like an entire week listening to Pod Save America episodes and try to emulate their style for a whole episode. I think we should just we should literally do Pod Save the Field oh, for an episode once this off season. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but anyway, Ryan, why are you supporting the police here on the uh, on the Juwan Howard situation? Why don't you want to see Greg Gard <laughs> hit the in the face? Uh, Greg Gard. I, Wisconsin I, Wisconsin basketball well, is the police in this in this circumstance. I think if Greg Gard got hit in the face, that'd be funny. But Juwan Howard's a little baby man. Like Juwan yeah. Howard, it was a pit. Listen, it was a pitiful hit it's absolutely pitiful you were built like the great Kali, and you can't even hit a guy who's five feet away from you like yeah. what what are you doing here like yeah. come on look Dude. listen you guys know me you uh, know this is a pro-violence podcast <laughs> a pro-violence podcast host i support these things yeah if you're gonna do it you might as well execute your plan right mm-hmm. you can't be the guy who has a massive physical advantage is bullying some little like milk drinking, you know, 55 year old Wisconsinite who's, uh, you know, built like Paul Christ. Yeah. And you go to hit him and you hit the wrong guy and you also hit the wrong guy with a little open hand, like pat on the forehead. Yeah. If you're going to hit someone, follow through a little bit. Come on, put a little juice behind it. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. It was, he it punched was... legitimately. And this is not just an Ohio State Michigan thing. Woody Hayes, like a 75-year-old man, had a little more damage behind his punch than Jawan Howard did. That's yeah. pathetic, Jawan Howard. Yeah, Jawan Howard, he needs to, and I'm always saying this about people, he needs more hate in his heart. He doesn't have enough hate in his heart. and He is can, not built like that. You can see it in the in the punch. I do, the thing that I, that I did enjoy about this is that anytime something like this happens or kind of like this happens, you can immediately see how... Um, uh, 99% of Americans support, like, why 99% of Americans supported the crime bill, right? It's like, anytime this happens, people just freak the fuck out. They're like, this guy needs to go to jail. Jawan Howard needs to go to jail for, for slapping an assistant coach. Like, like, but no one actually believes it. It's all just grandstanding. Yeah, like, but it's, it's it the is, same thing people... It is very... It's just like, who can who can grandstand better? <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my god. This oh, is, yeah. This is the worst thing that has ever happened in the Big Ten. This is a nightmare. You know, Jawan Howard should be executed publicly. Um, <laughs> Um, and, and or like, oh, he should be, you know, fired out of a cannon and never lo- allowed back into basketball again. It's like I don't know. Five game suspension seems fine. He didn't hit him very hard, <laughs> right? And alternatively, you have the tweets like you have like the Desmond Howard tweets where it's like Greg Gard li- like literally assaulted my friend. He grabbed him viciously by the elbow, and we don't know what he called him. We have no idea what he said it to him. That huddle there. He could have said anything. It would have just, of course, a very funny take. But yeah. I don't know. It's the same thing as the Urban Meyer stuff, right? Where it's like you have guys like us who are like, well, Urban Meyer is like a sex criminal. Mm-hmm. No, he's not. Sorry, he's not a sex criminal. He's just well, a criminal. Uh, uh, he now might be a sex criminal. It's hard to say. And he can, uh, he can do it. I believe in him. Right. And you also the guys who are like, Urban Meyer is fucking sick, dude. He's so cool for not rallying on his friends. And yeah, you know, people are just like us about everything. It's just it's fun. It's like as someone who loves to do this, getting <laughs> mad on the internet about something and fighting about stuff because it's fun to do and yeah. play, a good way to pass time. It's like it's cool. Like people like to do that. See, that's, and it, I, once everyone just acknowledges they're doing this for sport and not because they actually care about what happens. Yeah, we're all a lot better off. Like I just like to argue people on the internet. It's fun <laughs> for me to do. <laughs> See, I think that that's where we differ because we had some little freak in our mentions all day today, and I was just furious. I'm like, get out! Just oh, leave. I blocked him. I was like, leave me alone. I'm so sick of this. I'm trying to. I have a job. I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. Well, that's just a boomer. That's just like that's a guy whose grandchildren don't talk to him. He yeah. just never replies. Like yeah. nothing you can do about that. 
Um, but there are there are a lot of people it's, who, it's, it's, there are a lot of people who do just do it for the love of the game, and I just like for them to admit that. You know, it's not. I don't. Yeah. I don't care if you're going to do it, but it's like I don't think that it needs to be a big. You know, oh, this is part of my. I'm, I'm integrating this into my belief system so that I can justify tweeting it. It's like no, it's just a fucking tweet. Like it's just a yeah. tweet. Yeah. What's fine. the cost of doing business though, dude? Like if yeah. you if you have any tweet that gets like more than 15 replies, you can guarantee like one of them is going to be a boomer who has no idea what's going on and just going to post that you for seven replies. Yeah. You have one guy who just doesn't care about it all but loves to argue and it's going to get in there from thick of, just get in the thick of things yeah. to do that because it's his like sport for the evening yeah and you're gonna have one zoomer who's like making fun of your pants for being too small that's fine uh, and they're right they're <laughs> right to do so and then you're also in the quote tweets you're going to get 18 sb nation team sites who um right they just, like <laughs> like it's like a copy of a copy of a copy at this point where it's it's really their articles aren't even really legible because they don't hire people who can read or write anymore and so it's just like, like the worst <laughs> possible responses that you could ever like they're just all auto-tweeting, you know, gifts from the office anytime you say anything negative about their programs, you know. And then you're going to get one guy who, like, started an account in 2007 and somehow still has, like, 20,000 followers from yeah. posting, like, edits of his favorite team's college ball players, but it was just, like, you know, taking a picture <laughs> of a guy in the field and putting, like, fire behind him. And, yeah, like, those guys are That cool. guy now... Yeah, he's just now he's like a, he works for twenty four seven sports somehow, and his uh -huh. name J Book. Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> somebody like that. You're gonna get somebody like, like that, that in your replies. Someone like that in theory. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're gonna get you're gonna get the entire Bucknut staff in your replies. They're gonna be running oh, wild yeah. on your ass. They're 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 gonna be frying your ass up in the on the message boards. <laughs> um, uh, so anyway, that's why we're back. But, in as, the but as I promised on Twitter, just to get well, just to, my my last note, the Juwan Howard thing. I will always root for my enemies to eat shit, and yeah. I will hypocritically defend my own team. That mm -hmm. is my promise to you. Um, it will always go that way. I'm never going to change on that. It's just what I believe in life. Yeah, folks, we have no beliefs. A lot of people aren't not are they are not <laughs> taking this in. We have no beliefs. We have no commitments to anything. We are not ideologically committed to anything that we say, um, and we're also not liable for anything that we say on this podcast. It's all parody. It's all just all except uh, our threats, which are all actionable. Those are all actionable, and those, yeah, that's that's right. Um, all right, where do you want to go next? We do have a big gun pointed through your window. Okay, yeah. So uh, we have a question. Wait, did we? Uh, we have real, four. Qu real quick, did we tell people yeah. we were doing a Q and A? Did we say that at the time? Of the show? Oh no, this is <laughs> this is a good vibes episode. <laughs> this is. I've been looking around lately and I just think there's too many bad vibes on the internet. Like, yeah. like I was saying, I'm a guy who likes to fight for the internet sport. It's fun for me. It's what I like to do. A lot of people, when they get in the internet, they get in fights on the internet, they yeah. can't handle that kind of like energy. It really stresses them out. So for us, this is a good vibes episode. We're here to hang out. We're just talking to you guys. We're chilling. We're going to answer some questions, but mostly we might just vibe and do our own shit too. We don't really care about your questions that much. So we're yeah. going to answer some of them, but um, we're going to vibe out. You know, that's, that's, um, that's our goal. That's right. So where are we going next? So, uh, so we have, a, we have one of several questions from our good friend Greg here. Uh, I don't know if he wants his last name right in the podcast or not, so I guess we'll find out. Uh, <laughs> Greg Janice asked us, in the year 2022, how can there possibly be a large gap, gap in strength and conditioning from program to program? Is it facilities, coaching, shitty boomer methodology? If Joe Biceps, the gym, can and that's Joe Biden, by the way, yeah. uh, at the gym can figure out how to eat big, lift big, show up every day, how do teams get out muscle at the highest level? Yeah, uh, Patrick, I know this is usually your area of expertise, but if you don't mind, I'll take this question. Well, I, I do want to um, ask real quick, where were you when you first saw shredded Joe Biden? Do you, I think everybody knows where they were <laughs> when they saw him for the first time, when they saw they brought him out after he was he was gone for four months and he was just ripped. Where where were you? Absolutely ripped. His thing? face gains were crazy, dude. You yeah. can just see the skin getting tighter around his around his like, sinus. It's, it's, yeah, it's really unbelievable. It's sort of a he. They, a lot of people have been describing it positively as a grim mask of death, um, and it's sort of he Dude, the early 
Oh man, like the early Trump era stuff too, like when it was like gray sweatpants Trump or yeah, like uh, yeah. God Emperor Trump <laughs> the, the, pictures. Yeah, yeah. Those were so good. Yeah. Um, Damn. We. Yeah. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, oh. So the strength conditioning <laughs> stuff, right? Uh, <laughs> so look, yeah. At, at the end of the day, facilities are roughly. <clears throat> look, any D one program has good enough facilities to field a very high level strength conditioning program uh when when coaches or, or rather programs start spending money on strength conditioning the reason they do that is because it's a money laundering operation and like you need to keep donations going at all times yeah you always need to have a new project and you also need to be you, you're a non-profit organization as a college football team so you have to be like net neutral on, on your money yeah. so you have to spend the money somewhere and because you're not allowed to pay players uh all of that money goes directly into facilities and coaching salaries which is why yeah. both are way 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 overvalued um i mean look at the nfl dude we had a team this year make the super bowl uh with a second year quarterback and no out i'm sorry no indoor football facility like yeah. facilities are not that important you just need a few fucking squat racks and some other you know, and like a, the machine first of all don't get me started on machines in general for lifting uh uh-huh. Most machines, come on. Like, yeah. you should be doing work with dumbbells and barbells for most of your work. Machines have their place. Revised, hyper, uh, revised hyperextension machines are very useful. There are some machines that I value to work specific, you know, isolation muscles. But uh, uh, you don't need that many machines in your fucking routine. Let's let's get serious about that, first of all. Yeah. Get a squat rack. Get a bench. You, you can figure the rest out from there. Yeah, grow up. Come on. Uh, the problem is methodology. The problem is methodology and coaching. And specifically what Greg said of the eat big, lift big stuff is the problem, right? Like teams train their players like they're bodybuilders. They equate weight and muscle gains with strength and performance gains. Mm -hmm. A lot of these bad programs do that, right? That's not how it works. Your sole focus should not be on appearance of players or of weight numbers or anything like that. It is only on performance, right? If your player is getting stronger and faster, that is a win. Uh, it doesn't matter what he weighs if he's moving faster. It literally does not matter. Yep. And if he's stronger, it does not matter, right? If you are better at the point of attack, your body mass does not matter that much. Um, it, it's something that we, we've, I think we've played that clip from uh, Louis Simmons a few times in the podcast with him talking about the slobs at Ohio State. Sure. Uh, fat bang other shirts. <laughs> yeah. That good quote makes me laugh a lot. And we will get canceled for playing it again. So mm-hmm. we, we probably won't include that here. Uh, but yeah, look, man, like, your training should be structured to most closely replicate a football game as close as you can, which means you want to be doing a lot of dynamic effort or maximum effort work. So what that looks like, like in the traditional West side system uh, is for upper body days, you're doing like nine by threes or eight by threes on bench press uh, for lower body days or, or for example, other pressing. uh, So you have variations each week, change it up. You can do floor press, overhead press, close grip bench, wide grip bench, football bar bench, et cetera. You you can, you can get the idea. Sure. on your uh, lower body days, you want to do roughly a 12 by two of squat or deadlift, um, which basically what that means is you're doing very short breaks between those sets, so like no more than 30 second rest. You are doing very high velocity uh, on your lifts at roughly 50% of your one rep max. So that, that being said, if you can imagine something like nine to 12 repeated sets, that roughly mimics the rhythm of a football drive, right? You know, most drives take anywhere from, you know, three to 15 plays in a drive. It's very rare to see anything larger than 15 plays in a drive. Yeah. So you're, you're doing repeated high velocity effort in a period of, you know, th- those, those sets should take no more than three to five seconds, roughly mimicking the structure of football play yep. to put out effort very quickly on a maximal side, a maximal way 
uh, repeating it over and over again for a, period, a short period of time. That is what football is, right? Like uh, putting out maximum effort repeatedly in short bursts over the, you know, with, with, with uh, 30 to 40 second rest in between is how football is played. Uh, and instead what people do is, is have something like, you know, they're going to train like a three by eight on squats, then like a three by 10 on leg press. And they'll do farmer's carries till they, till they uh, drop. And, and that's like literally what Ohio State does at times. So yeah. from what I've heard their assistant strength coaches describe, it's just crazy. Like these guys are not mimicking football. They're not mimicking um, uh, the muscles needed to play football. They're not mimicking, like they're not maximally training their players. They train them for hypertrophy to look big in pictures. Yeah, It's fucking stupid. A lot of programs do this. A, a lot of programs do this. There are a handful to follow, you know, methods. I would say like following the West side or, or Texas method training is, is, is very useful. Um, but you have to perform for maximum athletic ability, which means explosive maximal strength. Um, it's a lot of tricep centric work, a lot of hamstring centric work. Um, and squatting the right way is deadlifting the right way. Um, using the right, you know, just strengthening the right areas you need to strengthen, uh, injury prevention. Um, you know, a lot of teams don't, they work on like stretching before lifts instead of like working on tendon recovery and things like that. Just there's a, the, the reason so many non-contact injuries happen in football is this players' bodies are not trained correctly to support their movements. Yeah. They're not, the reason you have so many hamstring pulls and hamstring tears is because their hamstrings are not trained well enough. They're quad dominant. Um, the reason you have so many ACL tears because people aren't, you know, preparing to train their knees. They're not. Uh, there are things you can do to, to train your tendons to prevent injury. There, it's you know, like high, very high repetition band work. They're not doing that kind of stuff. They're just doing these fucking old school methods from the '90s. Wherever these guys got their master of science from fucking Bowling Green and strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. Uh, no way, and, and they don't learn anything. It, it fucking sucks. Yeah, I, I do want to. Ask- Sorry, I just went on for like ten minutes. I think. No, Go ahead. you're fine. I do want to ask you because I, I think that people sort of just say this a lot and they don't really know what it means. Um, it's not within the question, but you will you will know. Um, what, what do people mean when they say mat drills? What are mat drills? Oh man. Um, mat drills are just like a thing. My understanding is they came, uh, like originally from like bear Bryant, I I think. Uh, and it's basically just like you're, you're doing competition in a practice. So it's a strength conditioning session, but you're doing competition. So for example, you're having like a tug of war or you're like, you know, competing to see who, does a better broad jump or just like, just like racing through shit. And it's like, it's a, it's a competitive conditioning mm-hmm. training. Um, it's my understanding. And I don't know, like, it's fine. It's whatever. Like, it's just, <laughs> I don't really, I like they get treated as like, Oh my God, these are the fucking hardest workout of all time in the entire yeah. history of the world. And like, they are physically exhausting, but are they like actually efficient to training players on, on better football? Yeah. Um, I don't know about that. Yeah. I, I think like, I think a lot of uh, strength and conditioning coaches and football coaches in general view uh, competition as something you do. Like, first of all, obviously competition is all encompassing football. You're always competing. It's just the way these guys work. But I think they view like you need to specifically have something to like mentally condition players for competition. Uh, and I would argue that if you are training correctly, like in the weight room, you can have competition at all times in the weight room, which can then transfer over to competition on the practice field. And you can still maximize your time with these strength conditioning sessions to have primarily like weight room sessions and short sprints uh, alongside your regular football practices without compromising uh, that, that program. I don't know, like whenever I, I see like football coaches, like running players, like, you know, for long distance running or whatever, like doing like 400 yards of running. Uh, it's embarrassing. Like you don't know how football works. Like if yeah. you're, you, you should not be training football players that way. That's, it's just, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I feel like 
I probably sound insane, like trying to tell, you know, people who have degrees, trying to get interesting what they're doing is wrong, but they're, they're just, it, they are wrong. Like yeah. they are not mimicking football. Um, I think they're just behind. Like they're, 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 they're just behind. It's, it's, yeah. It's, it's old. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's old ideas. Um, the, the only two things I really have on this and, and I, I can sort of, the way that I look at it in kind of layman's terms is, is it, it's fairly simple. It's that it, it's that a lot of schools are, are more, they're, they're almost training like long distance endurance athletes when they don't like the sport is not that it's not, it's not really, it doesn't really need to be that. And so it's, no. it's they're, they're, they are they they have focused so hard they have they have locked in so hard on like development on oh you have to you know oh developed here oh we need to develop these guys as you know as these full you know these complete bodies right it has to be you have to be every part of your of the workout has to be complete and every you know like bodybuilders and they're not they don't they don't they're, they're not doing that you're not going to a lifting competition if you're a linebacker you're just you're playing football and it, it's not really it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to train these skills that just don't exist within within football they're like running 400 yards you will literally never do that in a football game you will right. not run well, 400 something, yards. something more specifically too is like it, it's just a question of like how do you target these things right like what is the most efficient way to target them and like mm-hmm. do you need you know muscular endurance yes absolutely do you need maximal strength yes absolutely do you need like more explosive strength and speed strength yes absolutely but what is the most efficient way to improve all those things it's improving absolute strength like maximum strength yep. is the easiest and most efficient way to to lift all of those columns up it's not individually targeting each one right like it's not having one day where you max out on squats and then having the next day where you do like you know a four by 12 uh, program so you can like really get you can get mentally conditioned for what it's like to be under the bar that long it's, that's fucking stupid man that's not how it works like you you build more muscular endurance by having repeated you know high effort things and it's it's, it's just they're treating it like hope. I get stressed out talking about this. Yeah. Just thinking about how many people are, are so fucking dumb they're, the way they lift. And, they're, tr- and- they're treating it like hokum, like magic. That it's something that you have to try and you know grasp, and that you have to you have you know oh you got to go to school to understand. It's science. It's pretty basic. <laughs> it's you know it, it's it's this is not yeah like <laughs> the the rough structure of how like athletes should be trained and the and the and like the the most efficient way to improve. Uh, maximal strength and to improve athletic performance was pretty much figured out by the Soviets like 60, 70 years ago. Like they yeah, tested it they on got thousands it. of athletes, which in, you, between them and the Bulgarians, like the way they, they went through it and the, you know, the Chinese today, at some level, the Americans and some sports and, and Jamaicans and sprinting. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. The way that they've like just have enough recruits to be able to test things out and figure out what works and what doesn't at what ages and, and, you know, what improves which performance. Like we just have documentation on almost all of this. Like there's, there's just decades of evidence and, and of math and numbers you can read on what works and what doesn't work. Yeah. And indisputably like trying to increase volume by just adding more reps as opposed to like you working in the correct intensity ranges just is not as efficient. It does not work. Like you don't need to be doing that. Yeah. Uh, you know, like adding work on grip strength for football players is not fucking necessary. You don't do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's not what you need to be doing. You don't need to be adding fucking farmer's carries or, or like excessive bicep work for football player. It doesn't make any sense. They don't use those muscles. And then when they're, when they're playing correctly, like it's, it's not what you need to be doing, man. It's yeah. just, uh, it gets me pissed off. Yeah, it's it's really locking in on on teaching things the wrong way, essentially from from weight room to on the field. You just, yeah. every, every single thing, the process itself is bad. It's it just it's it's and a lot of teams are doing this. The other thing I have, real quick, I'm going to read you this quote yeah. and then we're going to move on. Um, this is from Ohio State linebacker Gabe Powers uh, last month. Jesus Christ! Have you seen this quote? 
No, I'm just prepared. Okay. He says here, we've only worked as a team for about a week. This was in January. Uh, but really, just the biggest thing we've done is eating. You know, it's a lot of eating, even more than what I was used to. So that's the biggest thing. I don't keep track of calories, but I try to get around six meals a day, constantly eating. Bro? <laughs> what are you Well, guys- it's so funny, too, because like this, this is just something else that like we've seen. Oh, go ahead. No, I, that's, Sorry, that's, that's insane. He was th- there was worries when he was for people who don't know. Gabe Powers is a is a linebacker who has he signed with Ohio State as a four star. There were concerns from Marysville, Ohio. Yeah, there were yeah, concerns. Delaware County. His con- dad was in January sixth. <laughs> there were concerns. Not not true. Uh, not actionable. But uh, there were concerns when he was coming in that he was too big to be a linebacker, and now he's eating six meals a day and not counting his calories. And this is something that like. Well- Every player on Ohio State who's in just said is like, like people would ask like, do you have any specific foods that you're supposed to eat? And like cornerbacks are like, no, they just kind of, we just kind of eat whatever we want. No, their their nutrition system is like they have like, if you go to their their cafeteria on a given day, they have uh, uh, each food has a certain handle in where it's like red, yellow, or green. Yeah. Um, and uh, red is like you're trying to cut weight. Yellow is you're trying to maintain weight, and green is trying to add weight. And basically, if you add a serving of those, which doesn't really fucking make sense, that's like a little bit like rudimentary, but yeah. Whatever. Uh, but what they're doing with Gabe Powers is exactly what they did the last couple of years with like Cade Stover and Tyreek Williams. That everyone said was fucking stupid, right? Yeah. Like they got Tyreek Williams. And they, Ohio State fans and Ohio State coaches always complain like, oh man, we can never get these big Southern nose tackles, right? These athletic guys who weigh 300 plus pounds and still move well. We can never recruit those guys. They go get one in Tyreek Williams of Virginia, right? They tell him to lose all of this weight. They had him cut from like 330 to like 285 pounds or something like that. Yeah. He does it. He still plays well at three tech. He plays really well, in fact. Then they bench him for the rest of the season, the most critical game. They don't play him anymore after he breaks out and like ties the team lead for sacks and like the four games that he plays. Yeah, whenever it was. I think he's still in the season like second in sacks after he played like four games. It, it's insane. And then and then they, they bench him for those games. And then this offseason they tell him, Hey, by the way, you're going back to nose tackle. You gotta put some more weight on, dude. You got you gotta get up like 20 <laughs> what the pounds. Hell? What are you body. doing, man? <laughs> Just doesn't make any sense. Just the dumbest thing you could possibly fucking do. Cade Stover, they recruit him, right? They're like, okay, well, well, you gotta get some weight on this guy. He's a defensive end. And then they, you know, he's not a linebacker, he can't move in space well enough. It's gotta be a DN. They put like, you know, 50 pounds on him. Like, hey, dude, you gotta move the tight end real quick. Our tight ends suck too bad. You gotta, we gotta move you out there. Lose some weight. Like they move him back to linebacker. And it's like, well, yeah, you're probably a linebacker now. The position he originally played at the weight he originally came in at. And he's yeah. still too fucking slow to play linebacker. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. They were right the first time. He's a defensive end. Yeah. None of this makes. And then, you know, Gabe Powers now, a guy who's a tweener, you know, loses like 25 pounds in, like, in between his junior and senior year to be prepared to come in and play linebacker. And they're going to get him in and put 20 pounds on him right away. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with these guys? Who is running this shit? I'm stupid. Just, just, it's Mick Marotti. It's, I know who runs yeah, it, but what's his problem? He needs, to be, he needs to be arrested. He's a dumb asshole. Um, all right. Where do you want to go next? Okay. Uh, we got a question from a friend of the show, Luke Ward. Um, Luke Ward, uh, I believe, if I'm correct, um, he he works on the uh, the Mandel Senate campaign in Ohio. Is that yeah, right? He was also speaking of guys who were in January sixth. Luke was actually one of the leaders of it, and a lot of people don't. Luke know that. was one of the leaders of it. He was a local organizer, I believe. <laughs> um, he was. You know that meme when you see when it's like uh, the one thing the government's afraid of, and it's like the guy saying, "I got your back, brother." Yeah. Um, Luke is the white nationalist uh, uh-huh. biker guy in that meme. Yeah, that's, he was, that's he's also on. the picture of the guy wearing the Ohio State shirt at the uh, at January sixth. That's Luke. So a lot of people don't know uh, that is that is Luke. So it's uh, glad glad to see him that he's he's out of the out of the clink and asking us questions. 
That's him. That's right. That's yeah. right. Okay. So anyway, Luke's question for us. Uh, he asks, <laughs> how, how, <laughs> how would you label <laughs> the major powers of college football as major film directors past or present? Example, Alabama is a Steven Spielberg of college football, et cetera. Also, why for each? Um, now, Patrick, you don't watch movies. I earlier when we were start when we were doing prep for the show, I tried to see how many directors I could name off the top of my head, and I think I got four of them. Uh, so it was mm. not a this was not a not a terribly easy practice for me. So I've I've mostly I've passed the torch off to you here. And I do promise it will not be at all me going on a rant about things that I care about episode, but yeah, there's going to be a couple of them. Yeah. <laughs> so so here's what I've got down here. I'm going to go through this relatively quickly because I'm not sure how many of our. Uh, our, our listeners are directly into movies in the same way that I am, uh, as, as you know, spend as much, too much of their life ranking things, et cetera. Uh, I have Alabama. I'll we'll start with them as Stanley Kubrick. Uh, the reason for that being, if you guys know Kubrick, uh, just incredibly, insanely, unhealthily obsessed with improving uh, at all points at all times and will like torture his actors. This comparison here is players. Uh, to get the most out of them as possible, even just absolutely mentally broken and, and drained, but making great products, the result. And yeah. man, if that ain't Nick Saban, I don't know what is. And if that's not Bear Bryant, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody and knows Kubrick. The, everybody knows the Saban stare, you know, when the, the when Saban the, stare. Yeah, <laughs> when, the, when the player has reached their peak insanity. <laughs> right. That's right. Uh, and of course it will end with some, uh, we will find out at a certain point in time that this entire time Alabama's elephant club has been a bizarre series of, of you know like a pedophile high-ranking officials that uh, participate in a masquerade mm-hmm. uh you know once every few weeks with uh sex trafficked uh, uh illegal yeah you know minors yeah they're doing um, yeah they're doing eyes wide shot yeah of course right and they'll be murdered for that yeah uh-huh. um so that's alabama um literally <laughs> michigan are both alfred hitchcock is and they did some cool shit in the 1950s that some people like i thought was boring and no one else has cared about ever since mm-hmm. um so we can get that one out of the way uh, Oklahoma and Ohio State are Martin Scorsese. Um, they have been consistently great for a very long time, but not really ever the best. They, they never really rise to the level of being like the most dominant program of their era. They kind of just keep doing, um, they keep being pretty good for a really long time. They wouldn't have any one like movie or, or season in this case. You're like, damn, that's one of the best teams of all time. Yeah. Uh, maybe Scorsese has one with Goodfellas, but you, I love him, but I, I don't think you would argue that he has any of like the top five or ten movies ever probably sure. yeah uh but just always fucking there always pumping them out always putting quality out you know that's the deal yeah um penn state's woody allen don't think i need to explain that one mm-hmm. yeah um george lucas is georgia uh, in the sense that he made two legitimate classics uh and the empire strikes back and the phantom menace uh you know like 45 years apart yeah uh did nothing of value in between just always falling on his face every other movie he made is bad Sure. Um, yeah. we can yeah. all agree on that one. I'm sure Naturally. Luke, especially, um, Florida's Wes Anderson. Um, they want to have their cute little bright colors. They want to make their little dollhouses. They want to have their, their fun, little fancy offenses and be fancy little lads mm-hmm. and make their, make their special little sets. And, uh, everyone outside of the state of Florida can just ignore them. They're not serious guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas is Tarantino. Uh, they love the sport so goddamn much and are just so obsessed with it, but will never be as good as their idols. Uh, they really can't make anything of the same quality as some of the peers, but, but they do have some great, some great, you know, uh, seasons here and there. They just can't ever put it together uh, time after time. Um, and also they're all feet guys who mm-hmm. are very perverted. That one. Yeah, um, that, one that one is just, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that one is just accurate. <laughs> uh, Nebraska and Miami are both Francis Ford Coppola. 
uh, as in they had intensely concentrated periods of great, great excellence. And then just like 50 years of fucking around besides that and just doing like, you know, weird, <laughs> weird adaptations of like, of the outsiders or whatever that kind of suck or like, yeah, this for Coppola has made like three of the 10 greatest movies ever and is still making movies right now, including trying to finance one of his own for like uh, tens of millions of dollars. And just no one cares. Like he's one of the greatest directors of all time. He's still alive. He's doing movies. No one gives a shit. And that's yeah. Nebraska Miami. They're still alive. They're still playing football. No one cares about them. These guys are fucking annoying. Sure. Um, uh, USC has Paul Thomas Anderson. He's a guy from LA. Don't need to explain that one anymore. <laughs> uh, I didn't really feel like trying to <laughs> analysis there. Uh, and of course, Texas A&M is Michael Bay. Yeah. Uh, no one's ever going to really like them, like as and think they're serious, but they will spend more money than you, and uh, and they'll get more money as a result. And they're going to just be the big, they're the big cash cow. They're a little pay pig. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're a little uh, gross little baby. Yeah, gross little baby. Get him out of here. Um, Anyone right. else I missed that you want to? Uh, uh, I wanted. On? I wanted to know who you thought for for Paul Verhoeven because he's one of the four directors who I know. Right. So Verhoeven is, of course, an all timer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a king. Yeah. Um, he, he makes like he makes the grotesque uh, seem hilarious, right? That's the whole thing. He likes pointing the lens at something and making it look absolutely absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. <laughs> he's it's, south carolina i don't know uh i'm trying to think like who fits that description what is what is something that's uh i'm sure that you know, there, i'm sure there's a super obvious answer that i'm just not i'm just not thinking of i'm just racking my brain it's probably old miss right just like Ooh, a, a grotesque mischaracterization yeah of the sport. i don't uh, i don't mind that at all yeah it's very fun yeah it just it puts a bizarre little lens on everything like old sure. miss is just everything the sec is typed up to 10 on every level or yeah yeah you know? and he's, he's sort of like look at this shit look at what's happening look at this weird yeah. shit that i'm doing out in public in front of you yeah that's yeah that's, but that's, i love paul verhoeven yeah, and paul I, verhoeven I don't like old miss but yeah yeah, Paul Verhoeven is um, like if Ole Miss actually did anything, like you know, one if it did that, you, and then also you, went thirteen to zero every year. <laughs> your your homework for this episode is to get more into John Carpenter movies. If okay. if you like uh, Paul Verhoeven that much, you gotta watch uh, Carpenter. I like I like what I have seen from from John Carpenter. Who made Videodrome? Is that John Carpenter? No, that was somebody else. Um, Videodrome. Uh, who did Videodrome? It was, That's Dave Cronenberg. Cronenberg's yeah. a body horror guy. I, uh, I, Cronenberg I, did like The Fly. Yeah, I, um, I liked Videodrome. Um, I can't remember the guy. the The main guy in it is he's like a real creep now. But um, Woods. Funny, uh, funny enough, like my uh, my favorite uh, Cronenberg movie is not any of his horror movies. I was, but I was like, he did like people love like The Brood, Scanners, Videodrome, The Fly. Sure. Um, but to me, his best movie was A History of Violence mm. uh, with uh, with Viggo Mortensen. It came out like 05 or 06. Okay. Uh, notable for me because I saw it when I was like 11 years old in the theaters with my dad. And it was, uh, there's a, a just a very, a very long scene where Viggo Mortensen just eating pussy on camera. That's the hallmark of a great movie for you. That's that was yeah. yeah seeing yeah. someone give head, yeah. seeing yeah, seeing someone you know eat pussy. When I was like eleven years old. That was representation. Uh, really me, went yeah. on for a while. Really, yeah. really felt like that went on for like five minutes. Yeah. Finally, you you, fin- you you finally saw eleven year old you in media, and you you're so you're so happy. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, I, damn, that ain't me. Damn. Yeah, I remember really liking Videodrome because of James Woods's uh, outfits. I thought they were cool. That was pretty much my main takeaway okay. from Videodrome. I thought he looked, and, and I thought more he so his cool. politics too, right? Uh, of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a big I'm a big James Woods guy, the famous famous guy <laughs> to be a really big uh, fan of. All right, what do we got next? Uh, we had another movie question from our friend Cheesy Cheese the Third. Uh, 
asking if we could talk about the movie Red Dawn. Yep. Uh, Patrick, any thoughts here from you? Haven't seen it. it sounds cool. <laughs> cool name they got now, on this one. Now, <laughs> I know Cheese is more into the. He's more into the recent adaptation uh, with with the guy from Parks and Rec. Uh, is that who's is that the new one? Uh, I, I've seen both Red Dawns. I love the original Red Dawn, which is very funny if you know my politics. Because it's, essentially, it's just like the most intense Cold War era propaganda uh, of all time. It's like even... what happens if if Russia successfully invaded uh, the United States and like some guys in I think the Pacific Northwest. Uh, it's Colorado, right? Colorado, uh, you know, were able to these high school kids that would do guerrilla warfare and kill the Soviets yeah. is the premise of the movie. Ryan, I'm, uh, I'll tell you, I'm struggling to see how the guy from Parks and Rec, Aziz Ansari, can fit into a remake of this. <laughs> uh, sorry, it wasn't It wasn't Aziz Ansari. I'm sorry, it wasn't... Uh, I was thinking of... Uh, who, who's the guy that lost all the weight? Chris something? Chris Pratt? Uh, Chris Pratt. It's, the, it's one of the other Chris. It's Chris Hemsworth is in the remake. Okay, yeah. Uh, it's him... Josh Peck, Josh Hutcherson, Let's go. Uh, Adrian Palicki, uh, and some other people I don't really know. Uh, and uh, it's, it was a huge box office failure. It lost its uh, lost all of its money. Yeah. Uh, they also, you know, you have to question if the reason it was so much uh, so much less popular moved from you know Colorado to Washington. That's right? a big issue. They also changed the the threat from being Russian. Uh, to being Chinese and North Korean, hmm. uh, they, they they had a joint Chinese North Korean invasion of the well, Pacific had, Northwest that successfully had their, had their fingers uh, you know, on the captured and beast. killed everyone. They, they, they were they were ahead of the, they were ahead of the times with that culture war. They they had their fingers on the pulse there. I mean, it came out in 2012. Yeah, it was a little bit ahead of the times. They, just... they they were one of two there on on being ahead of the times. D- didn't uh, didn't uh, Team America make fun of North Korea like 10 years before that? Yeah, that wasn't the one of the two that I was talking about. Um, oh, okay. Oh, that, actually, they were probably behind well, the time. That's fun to be. They were behind the times on North Korea, but ahead of the times on right. the China culture war. It's so fun when you meet a guy who's still like really obsessed uh-huh. with North Korea or whatever, who's yeah. like just making a North Korea yeah. uh, uh, propaganda. It's like, <laughs> come on, brother. Let's... <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. That's a good guy to do. Anyway, yeah, Red Dawn, five out of uh, five out of five. Great film. Uh, we both love both of them. I'd say equally. We uh, we we love both. That's of them. right. What do we have next? Um, we had like. Seven questions about Purdue. You just want to do them all in one go? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so we, we got one here. Uh, we'll, we'll start with uh, long, Parker. Long, yeah, KP four zero one two eight. Yeah. yeah. Um, he says, go "Do ahead. you guys also think it's funny?" And the answer is yes. Uh, that after all the nine Indiana bullshit, Purdue won nine games first and beat the team Indiana failed to in order to get there. I don't know who the team they. I don't know who that's referring to, but um, also, why does Patrick hate Brom? Um, uh, on the first part, yes, it's 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 very funny, and I say this as the as the lesser of the two of us that you know doesn't like Indiana. I'm fine with Indiana, um, so I'm sure that Ryan was losing his damn mind. Um, on the on the Brom thing, I have the I have the same issue with Brom that I have with a lot of coaches like him, um, which is just that he's that sort of limited in his ceiling because he doesn't ever build a full team. He he sort of finds one or two star players and will build out a large part of a good team and can be annoying and kind of vaguely good. You know, like, yeah, you have really good receivers or they have a really good defensive end or, uh, you know, in, in 2018 they have a really good one player and that's their whole thing. Um, but he doesn't ever really do anything more than that. I, I don't know, like, about his the structure that he builds as a coach beyond star players. And I guess at Purdue that's maybe not the worst thing in the world is to just have a really good player or two every year. But I do think that... 
the fact that he only recruits one good player every three or four classes is kind of annoying and, and not really all that reflective of a good football coach. Um, especially because I just, I don't, I don't really see him developing anybody beyond those stars. Like, I don't think that Purdue had a ton of really good players last year. It was pretty much Dave Bell and George Karloftis and then a whole bunch of not much, you know, like, like they had a couple other pieces on offense. That was about it. Um, and then on top of that, he's a quarterback guy who has never had a good quarterback. And that's, troubling that's usually not a great sign for a coach when his strength is is you know traditionally his, his what's what's purported to be his strength is not actually especially impressive and that's that's my that's my main issue with Brom is that I just I think his shit is kind of pieced together around star power and not necessarily around actually building out a program and I just don't really I don't really like coaches who do that I I, I prefer a more a, 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 a more fleshed out program that I just haven't really seen him build yet. And, and, you know, maybe he will. I just, I haven't seen it so far. But isn't a guy like Brom who has like one good thing better than uh, almost every other coach in the conference who has no good things. I mean, I guess, but he's in a shitty conference. That's, I don't know if that's a, plan. yeah, but yeah. I, I don't know. Like I'd say he's an above average college football coach, right? I think that's yeah, fair to I, say. Like I, 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 I did I, my, my, my repulsion to him is less that he's, I don't think he's like a bad coach. I just, People talked about him for like really, really major jobs and continue to do so. Oh, yeah. And that never I mean, made a whole lot of sense to me. I think this is sort of just what that's always going to happen. I don't know. People are fucking stupid. Like nothing you do about that. I, I hear what you're saying. I agree with you. Like, yeah. I, I don't think he's like a top even 20 coach in college football. Probably not top. I don't know. Even top 30. Probably not. Yeah. But like, you know, he he's a watered down version of like Lincoln Riley or Ryan Day. Like, it's, it's the same concept, except he's even worse at it. Sure. Um, much worse at it, I'd say. And uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. He might have whisked his window. He should have taken those jobs after that second year, or whatever. When everyone's trying to offer him stuff, that he didn't uh, get the Louisville job is really bizarre because I think both parties probably would have benefited significantly from that. I, I really don't know how that didn't how that didn't. They might have out. a chance to run it back. Yeah, another suppose, year or two, yeah, right? I suppose it won't be the uh, won't be the last time that Louisville fires a coach and and Jeff Brom is still employed, so it's not going to be not going to be that hard to sell if they can just pluck him away. But yeah, that's that's my main issue with him is just that he's. He's so openly limited, and I think that's more frustrating to, frustrating to me than just being bad. Like, if you're just bad, I can just, you know, yeah, get this guy yeah. out of my face. This guy sucks. But if you're just, like, kind of good, but you can't find a running game when you have everything else, or kind of good, but you can't find a defense, it's just like, man, fuck, come on. Just go get a defense. It's not that right. hard. Like, go find a fucking running – why can't you run the ball? That's a ridiculous thing to not be able to do. What are you talking about? You're a grown man. You know, go go. But suck. I will say – to, to answer the question though that, that that was asked that if we think it's funny that that he's better than Indiana yeah it's very funny yeah it's very funny um yeah <laughs> all right uh also on Purdue we have two more on Purdue here next one is from at Tilka Michael Michael Tilka uh my question is do you see Purdue success in the past year as sustainable or do you see a similar regression a la Indiana in 2020 to 2021 I believe Michael is an Indiana fan um, I do see that mm-hmm. regression for pretty much the reasons I just laid out. They're losing their two good players, and I don't think they have any more. Um, I, I, and they're also, as the next question will allude to, losing a decent chunk of their uh, staff. And I just, I, I don't think. I mean, certainly, I don't think they're going to go nine and three again. That seems a little, that was a little much this season. And and so I, I would expect that there is going to be similar regression here. Yeah, uh, I tend to agree. I, I think like Purdue. I mean, like you had two generational receive for that team receivers and, and, and Rondell Moore and David Bell. Um, the Carl office brothers are very helpful. And then it's like, what's, what's next, right? Like, how do you, <laughs> like, where do they get, like, where, where are they, like maybe Melton writes a guy for a year or something, but like, where's the next guy coming from? Like you better show up this year, right? Like you better have a, a second to bring that, up guy this year yeah, or else I don't, I don't, th- 
that's the thing too is not capitalizing on on your success in recruiting. His recruiting has been the exact same. It is it is identical to when he showed up, and that's very. Indiana's kind of done that too, and that that's been really frustrating to me about Tom Allen. Is like if you're winning games, you should be recruiting better. It's <laughs> the two should correlate. It does follow. I would say that does make sense to me. Yeah, uh, and it's it's it's. I don't like coaches who cannot take advantage of their success on the field. It's much easier to sell when you're winning well, and you'd, you'd think that you would be. I think that it's just that they limit their their scope so severely to what they know and and the places that they're comfortable, and so you're just stuck recruiting the exact same guys every single year, and one or two of them is going to end up breaking through. So yeah, I would I would expect regression, probably not on Indiana's level because uh, that's kind of hard to do. But I I think like four and eight, five and seven would make sense, and that's probably closer to what the roster talent is than than nine and three when they don't have a couple of stars. Last one here. From on Purdue, this is from at Ross McBride thirteen. Uh, actual CFB question, which we appreciate when you when you guys uh, preface them with that, so that we know if we should put our our college football question answering shirts on. Um, Ryan, do you have your shirt on? Uh, I never have my shirt on this podcast. Oh my god, it's it's a lot like a Thunder shirt. It keeps us comfortable while we talk about college football because I know that we both get a oh, lot. True. Of, we get a lot of anxiety talking about college football, and we both have. Uh, Pretty significant imposter syndrome around it, uh, which is why we are so always cautious about speaking definitively, offering opinions, things like that. And I think a lot of people are always, you know, they're wondering, why don't these guys say opinions about college football more? And that's, folks, that's why. They're um, always fucking saying that to us, always dude. Say, it's ridiculous. And it's like some people, you know, we can't all be... <laughs> I don't want to name drop a podcast that doesn't say any opinions. <laughs> I, so mm. many just came right Why to my head. Why don't you no, go ahead? Why don't you So many came right it. to my head, and I was like, well, shit, that's all mean to say. That's really. <laughs> <laughs> Look, quit. Here's the thing. If you're a podcast, quit fucking around, dude. Just, yeah. just what, what's going to happen if you give an opinion you're wrong? Who's going to care? Yeah, who cares? I, I you know, who how gives many, a shit? Do you know how many times we were wrong this past year? It doesn't matter. Nobody's what, what are they going to do? What's going to happen? They're Nothing. not going to do anything. What Nothing. are our little? Fa- oh, I'm a fan of uh, flipping the field. I think they were wrong about this. Shut up. Shut up. What are you going to do about it? You, you going to cry? You, yeah, you were wrong. Are you going to cry it. like a little baby? Yeah. Go ahead. Go go back and listen to the episode where we were wrong. Show up. Uh, you, you, you go show us how it's done yeah, by you giving go find us another it. list. Go find it. Asshole. Uh, anyway. You get your ass kicked? Yeah. You make us fucking beat up? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we got shooters everywhere. Dumpster? Yeah, yeah. Uh anyway, how will the assistant coaching turnover at Purdue impact their hopes of maintaining momentum going into twenty twenty two? Um I would say negatively. I I, I think not a real yeah. school. Don't care. Uh, um sure. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think that the coaches that they're losing specifically is is as close to a disaster as you could get with Jamarcus Shepard going to Washington and Brad Lambert going to Wake Forest. Um I think Brad Lambert was pretty directly responsible for Purdue being as good as it was last year. Like Purdue having a defense last year was a Brad Lambert thing. That was a, it's a George Karloftis thing, but it is also like Brad Lambert is a very, very good defensive play caller. And I think was, was entirely responsible for getting those guys into the shape that they were and, and, and to, you know, for producing that, that defense. I'm excited to see what he can do at Wake Forest, but also I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Jeff Brom as somebody to hire a whole new staff of assistants, which he basically has to do. Like he's losing a lot of really important pieces to his staff. So yeah, I, I think that the hopes of maintaining momentum are, are uh, slight. If anything, I, it's just, I don't see that as being, I don't see that as being sustainable where he can go out and make hires like that every single year. Like Brad Lambert was a really, really inspired hire. And that's just, that's a lot to ask. A lot to ask. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't really have any more thoughts here on Purdue. I've kind of gotten all my, everything I had to had my brain out of here, but 
The second question was a little more interesting to me here. We want to include this as well. Um, we did, we did get a question from our buddy here asking me, uh, how many suitcases of quote old German memorabilia I'll be bringing back from Argentina. Uh, and it's funny you should ask <laughs> because I just spent the weekend, uh, in a little town called Bariloche, uh, on, on the basically Western border of Argentina, right near, uh, Chile. Uh, and if you look it up, if you guys are curious about Googling this, uh, Bariloche is essentially it's a it's a mountain town set in the Andes, it's pretty much the, the northern northern tip of Patagonia on the western side, um, and it's where a lot of just a weird number, uh, really a strange number, frankly, of uh, Germans fled following mm. World War II. A lot of Germans, a lot of huh. Italians, um, and before the, the place had a pretty interesting history before they even got there because uh, it was famous for being the hometown of a guy named. Uh, uh, I, I forget the first name. The last name is Roca. I think it's like uh, Julio Roca. Okay. Uh, and he uh, he was famous for basically being the Andrew Jackson of Argentina and doing a genocide against like uh, against Native Americans in Patagonia. Yeah. And then uh, the Germans were like, "Well, let's move to that guy's hometown." Yeah. Boy, that is uh, a, that is. Of, I, I would just say that is a bad guy to be the uh, that guy of your of your uh, country. That's yeah, you don't want to have the that worst guy be the that you could be. Sure. Yeah. I don't want to be the Andrew Jackson of a country. That's that's a but, tough. But that's we a did, tough denomination. We did, we did drive by his statue and I saw it was all like graffitied up, which is kind of funny. They're just doing the same politics that their guys were doing. Yeah. I think it's probably just every like colonial country in America is probably doing the same thing right now, like tearing down their statues of whatever, like, you know, fucked up guys from 150 years ago were famous there. Uh, like the same thing people are doing with Confederate statues in America, probably just the same thing happening everywhere. I, mm-hmm. I assume, right. They're all doing that. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, all the architecture is like German mountain towns. It's like, a, it looks like an Alpine village. Uh, and there is a weirdly high number of like blonde haired, blue eyed people in that, in that city. You would hmm. not otherwise see Argentina. Hmm. Um, just, just some weird coincidences. And Ryan, why were you there? <laughs> um, <laughs> I was trying to go see, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of mountains that are very cool. Nice lakes, you know, it's uh-huh. a pretty cool geographical region. Uh, and also, uh, you know, I was meeting up with some uh, political connections of mine that I yeah. don't like. Into. You were trying to go see a movie at the theater from Inglorious Bastards. That was what you were. You uh-huh. were yeah, you were there to do, and and it was you know, the, you had some issues in the movie theater, but that you did manage to uh, to emerge on un, yeah un, unscathed. Yeah, well, my my the the bar I put on the door after I yelled fire wouldn't hold. Yeah, I mean, it's, they just it's, they use they don't they don't make them like they used to. You know, theaters, <laughs> bars, fires, really all of it. It's it's just it's not it. not what it used to be. All right, what's next? We have our second Greg question here. Yeah, uh, he's asking us, what is the serious difference between you and a good college coach? Just relationships <laughs> and tenure, genuine X and O knowledge, because baseball is hiring giga nerds and the real coaching positions, which we are, because yep. they know the game. Why aren't colleges trying that? Too macho. Um. <sighs> The real answer here is what's the difference between us and a good college coach is we're smarter. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think that there, this the answer is sort of, there are three kind of parts to it. The first part is that there is sort of a, there's a barrier to entry in football that doesn't quite exist in baseball, especially in college football, because there's not a front office really, at least not in the same way that there is in professional sports you can't really be a contract nerd for college sports. Um, whereas in baseball, you can absolutely be a contract nerd. And so those spaces just don't really exist. We, we have seen some internet guys get 
football jobs, like real college football jobs. You know, the, the Barton Simmons comes to mind at Vanderbilt, but right. That, uh, that... Also, Pitt has a recruiting guy, Carlos Zavko, who is known as at Whip Insider for a long time, which just like covered the uh, covered the Whip like football stuff, yeah. and ended up becoming a Pitt recruiting guy because of it. Sure, but it, there is a barrier to entry, and the barrier is largely you have to have played college football. It, it, the vast, vast, vast majority of coaches started because they were players, and then they just joined a staff from there you know and and i think that that's a that's a big part of it is there's this sense that you sort of have to you know you have to do your time as a player to understand it and obviously that's that's bullshit it's nonsense it's not true yeah but there is But you also you have to you have to be an ass kisser too right like i don't think we should cross over that part like you have to be the kind of guy who's willing to like completely pay ball yeah but and and so i think that that's part of it and there's this there's a sense within that group that if you didn't play you don't understand scheme you don't understand the 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 minutia and the the truth of that is is that a lot of the minutia that these guys have have now i mean you see this on you see this on scheme twitter even which are not really a lot of them are not football coaches or they're not really very good football coaches but you see this shit where they're just making words up right they're just making concepts up on the fly there's oh well, this i learned this from the fucking you know, uh, like just shitty coach from the nineties. Uh, you know, I, I was watching his, his coaching clinic and he said this, it's like, well, why would that guy know? Like that was fucking 1990 and he was dog shit. That was, that's stupid. But you see, a yeah, lot yeah, of, yeah. you see this kind of barrier to entry created because they have made up all these concepts when like a lot of this stuff is very simple, but you can't just say that because then you won't get to join the club because they all have to be pretending to do something. Um, and, and so I think that's part of it. I think another, part is that on the more advanced that side of things uh and this was this is not a a topic that you and i have a ton of experience with or even not really interested in but also (laughs) um football advanced stats suck they're fucking horrible right like the only ones that i think are even kind of valuable are are bill Connolly's, and those are team stats and they're not really uh, you know well i mean what do you mean because i would say like i would say situational information like you know like uh third and fourth down decisions and and like uh you know like kicking or or like like special teams those those are relevant right that's that's fine and i think that those people probably are getting jobs but the 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 fucking pff guys those those are they're fucking they're morons they're extremely stupid and they're extremely off-putting and so they're not going to get jobs because they don't know what they're talking about and they're also extremely annoying you can only do one or the other you can know yeah and you can't do both though you can't know you can't you know be full of shit and also be extremely annoying and still try to get a job in football. Well, and I think part of it too is like specifically with baseball, you can use that information every way, like every level all the way down. Like you don't need necessarily, like you still want scouting for defensive traits, but like for, for offensive traits, you can just follow the numbers, right? You don't really need to see anything besides the numbers. You don't have to watch a guy play. Like it's just on a spreadsheet. It's a much, whereas like there are some, it's a much easier sport to, to, put numbers to because it's individual baseball is individual it's in it's individual interactions you it's it's really yeah. hard to, to you know and there is some interesting stuff going on with like the tracking of, a, of like uh, like i know in basketball especially like the way they track gravity of a shooter is really interesting yeah have you followed that at all you know what i'm talking about a little bit vaguely so like uh, basically the idea is like you know based on just they track movement on the courts they put trackers on players and, and like the way, for example, a guy like uh, Steph Curry, even if the ball's not in his hands, how does a defense rotate to follow him? Like, how do they respond to his, like, you know, yeah. uh, his, his physical presence? And, like, they follow up with all kinds of different players. And that's kind of interesting to so you can see. It. You can see the way a guy interacts, like, with, with team on defense and and what it looks like when he's in certain areas of the floor, where shooting percentages are, rebounding percentages are, stuff like that. There's just so many moving parts in football. Those numbers aren't quite as valuable. 
Um, I think there are certain things you can look at uh, at certain positions, like uh, running back, like, you know, yards after contact, yards before contact, the way you can trace how a line creates yards for a player, um, how many available yards he sees, like, you know, what, but like, there's just a lot of things that are very difficult to, to track on a football field, I guess, based on one assignment knowledge, like, you know, based on, on variables moving around yeah. on blocks on things like that. I would be interested to see more stuff like for receivers specifically, like tracking of gravity, the way they do it for basketball players. I think that'd be really cool, mm-hmm. but football, there's just so many players at so many levels, like the way you have to track high school, like the, the biggest value colleges get right. Is, is tracking high school players and projecting them correctly to the next level. And how are you going to get accurate data on like stuff like that for a player other than yeah, eyeballing? You can right? barely like, get, you, you can't even get, <laughs> yeah, you can barely get scores sometimes, let alone like you're, you're goddamn lucky if like a camera's in HD in the year 2022, like for highlights, like if, if it's like better than grainy footage from, from, uh, you know, 200 feet away, you're, you're in good luck. Uh, it's just tracking that kind of stuff is difficult. And also un- unlike baseball where like, yes, let's say for example, like the Yankees have a lot more resources than, than the Oakland A's it's much closer in the resources that like, than what Kent state has for Alabama, right? Yeah. Like you have to hire smart or some level, uh, but you only have so many dollars to make that work with. Your staff is just much smaller. So you have to fill generalized roles like recruiting directors and like strength and conditioning coaches before you get into the hyper-specific stuff Alabama does. Like Alabama has coaches that just only focus on like the math of kickoffs, I'm sure, right? Or like guys who only focus on like how do our back, how does our back end coverage rotate based on this formation? Like that's what their analysts are for. Yeah. They have an army of those guys. Kent State might have two. Like they just don't really have those positions available. So you have to be ultra general what you hire there as opposed to being very specified uh, the way you can be in, in pro teams or high level college teams. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. And, and these teams, especially the, even, even the Alabamas, which do have an army, they're still very, very insular about how they hire for those positions. It's, it's a lot easier and yeah. a lot, it's a lot, you know, less risky to just go hire someone who was a, you know, a high school coach or who played for you that you already know. If you're just going to hire some guy from the internet, there's a chance that he doesn't know what he's doing. And if you're going to hire somebody who is on your team, you know that he doesn't know what he's doing, but you know that he at least kind of understands what you are doing. And so the, I, I think it's just a risk appetite that doesn't really exist at the upper echelon of the sport. And then at the lower echelon, there's not enough money to, to you know justify any sort of creative moves like that. It's, it's, it's any number of things, but I, I think that that's the large, the large picture of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, there is also some of this that, it, like you said, already is happening. Like I, I have a, uh, you hear that like, like college ball players are hiring, uh, sorry, college ball uh, teams rather are hiring people whose job is to like read signals and break them in game. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of crazy. Like basically like guys who otherwise would have been FBI code breakers, but weren't good enough uh, are just now working for college football teams. Uh, or maybe they, maybe they are good enough and want to get paid more. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Like some of this is happening, but I think it's just structurally the sport. Like when you're when your biggest talent advantage is gaining talent at the high school level, and it's so hard to get information on high school teams. Um, yeah, tough to do. Very yep. tough to do. All right, what's next? Um, from Thick South is here. Which position coaches are okay just being recruiters? Okay, so I, I think that you will have a. I think you'll have a better answer for this than than I will. So I'm going to cede this one to you at least to start here. Yeah, so I, I think the ones that can literally just be recruiters don't really need to coach. The answer is like tight ends coaches for sure is a big one. You see yeah. a lot of teams have their recruiting coordinator be tight end coaches. Um, Vince, reason being, yeah, you can essentially handle it. Kentucky. Say it again? Oh, yeah, Kentucky yeah. for sure for tomorrow. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can just handle a coach. Uh, like an offensive line coach and a wide receiver coach can teach the skills that tight ends need. 
uh, individually. And, and the guy who's actually coached them doesn't have to know anything. Um, also tight ends don't get used that much in college. They're not yeah. very valuable. Um, and, and if you can have a guy who's a great recruiter elsewhere, then it's super important to have. Yeah. Um, I say running back coaches because especially the college level, so much of what it means to be a good running back is just being talented. Like the nuance of the position, like the way to like, let's pick up and, and, and how to, you know, read or, or like that stuff matters, but it's mostly overrun by just, are you talented? Uh, are you, you have great vision naturally? Are you fast? Are you strong? Yeah. So that one's big. Um, I would say if you have two DB coaches, one of them could just be a peer recruiter who knows very little about the game. Um, that's pretty common. I'd say across a lot of levels of college football, mm-hmm. um, you can kind of get away with this for receiver coaches, honestly. Um, I, I think sometimes, like again, receivers a guy where like a player can just come in and be so fucking talented. It doesn't really matter how well you coach them. Like it will at a certain point, but just to be like good enough, uh, you have a lot of true freshmen that break out at receiver. Uh, they eventually need the technique, but early on, you can pretty much get away with that. Yeah. The other, the only other one that I would add to that is um, coach under your head coach's specialty, right? Oh um, yeah. So like, and this obviously varies school to school, but like. You know, if a if a school has a defensive minded head coach who was coaching linebackers early on in his career, your linebacker coach doesn't really need to be aces in 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 development as much as he needs to be the one out on the trail because the head coach can't do it quite to that extent. You know, if your head coach was a quarterbacks coach and you know calls the offense stuff like that, your quarterbacks coach probably isn't actually coaching the quarterbacks all that much. He's, he's yeah. Any any examples of that you can think of? No, I don't think there's actually any at all uh, that I uh, that I would want to name. Um, you know, it's uh, just a vague, just a vague example. You know, of the quarterback coach. That's just a vague example. Not not any, not anybody in particular. Um, but I, I think that that's that's you know, even if you'll see this with coordinators sometimes too, underneath a head coach. You know, like if you have a, and sometimes they just don't, they straight up just don't have a position coach underneath a, a coordinator who has a position. But like if you have a, a coordinator who is, you know, their their expertise is at cornerback cornerbacks coach probably is going to be mostly recruiting um and, that's... and it's funny because it should go that way a lot of times but i think sometimes they go the opposite way and they're like damn i was such a good at this job i have to hire the next great me right and then they <laughs> want to have their own personal like uh, uh tutor like they have uh, you know mentee yeah. under them yeah uh like like nick saban was always obsessed having a great dbs coach or urban meyer always wanted a great wide receivers coach except yeah, for zach and smith he, and he did such uh, a good job of it <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Of course, these guys, of course, these guys don't always do it because they like look for what they thought was great about themselves and what actually made them work well. But it's just it's it's kind of funny how that works out. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I so I think that that answers your uh, I think that answers your question. What's next? Yeah, we have a question here from at Stu Mandel. Hmm. Um, asking us if we have Annie Agar's number. You do, uh, Patrick. Do you do you have? You have, do you have her number? No, I actually gave it to you and I erased it from my phone because I didn't need it anymore. Oh, okay. Uh, but you do have it. How so. does your girlfriend feel about that? Well, that's why I erased it. I, I didn't need it anymore. Oh, uh, uh, okay. But, that's, that's stealthy. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um. But uh, so you you have it. So Stu, be sure to uh, to reach out to to Wyatt for that one. I know that he has it. Um, <laughs> and once again, we still give a fuck about the Sagarin rankings. That's right. We don't give a fuck about the Sagarin rankings or um about the whereabouts of Annie Agar on January sixth, twenty twenty one. It doesn't. It's not important to me. It doesn't matter what's next mm, okay and there was another question here from Stu mandel let's start mm-hmm. with the fuck mary kill i just think it's not really appropriate so yeah. we're, we're gonna skip that one yeah. Stu, come on yeah come Stu, on, Stu. i don't look at the big 10 east coaches <laughs> like that i just don't i don't do it i'm sorry i know that some of us do but we we here don't we we look at these as 
as leaders of men, uh, as as uh, developers of of young men, and it's just not appropriate to talk about you know James Franklin like that. I don't want to do it. No, speaking of a guy who does definitely look at Big Ten coaches like that, we have our good friend Bill Filippo, yeah, uh, who is asking us to rank every Big Ten football coach based on how many racks of ribs they can polish off in one sitting. Yeah, um, <clears throat> we're not going to do that, Bill. We're just going to give you a top three. Um, <laughs> We're not going to do that anyway. Next question. <laughs> uh, Patrick, give me, give, me your, uh, give me your top three here. Your top three Big Ten football coaches based on how many racks of ribs they can polish off in one sitting. So I think that number one with a bullet has to be Brett Bielema, right? Brett Bielema, oh, he knows his way around some ribs. My man... The, here. He's grinding. here's the only question for Brett Bielema. Like, there, look, we got some big old boys in this conference. We got to acknowledge that. We like, there are yeah. there are at least four to five guys in this conference who are like north of 250 pounds as yeah. a head coach. Um, he, here's the thing, though, you have to question, and I'm not saying I disagree with you, number one, because I do agree with Bielema's number one. But is his lack of discipline a problem? Like, you, you, Paul Christ will come in workman like yeah order his ribs he'll get a big glass of milk he'll drink that first then he'll have some water he eats them like brett a Catholic. Bielema, yeah <laughs> brett pielema's drinking like two to three beers per rack of ribs mm-hmm. this guy's putting away is i just put away the ribs he's putting away 30 beers when he does it is that a problem for him yeah i don't think i don't think it is i think he's got the room i think that the man i i I cannot imagine. He's that much better. I yeah, I think he's that much better. And also, I cannot imagine within fifty, however you know, however many years it's been of him being alive, that he has not devised some sort of system for eating ribs and also drinking beer at the same time, right? Like I think he knows. It's true. I think he knows his exact, uh, you know, his exact amount that he can have, where he's still feeling pretty comfortable eating these ribs, but he's getting a nice. In fact, going. in fact, he's doing like the Kobayashi Joey Chestnut thing, where he's dipping the rib bones <laughs> in the beer so he can get at the bone marrow more easily. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing that Vilma really brings to the table is that he's eating the bones too. He really gets up in. Yeah. <laughs> he ate the bones. He's yeah. softening up the bones with yeah. some beer, yeah, so he can really get in there. He has like his he has two beers at all times. He's his drinking beer and his soaking beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's he's soaking the bones with soaking beer until he eats them all in one big go. Like it's yeah. a it's a corn dog or something. Yeah, it's really kind of um, a horrifying scene. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's doing uh, the the what is it Saturn devouring a sun painting, but it's it's uh-huh. him with red ribs, yeah. and rib bones. Yeah, um, number two, you're a cultured man. You know that painting. Of uh, course, yeah, yeah sure. n- Number Naturally. two, I think we have the same guy here. It's Mike Loxley, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Mike Loxley. Well, you, he's a big fella, right? I think that I think ribs are pretty popular in Maryland, right? I would assume that you, you've got some pretty decent ribs out there. And three, he was an assistant under under Nick Saban, and we know those fuckers can eat. Like recruiting oh, chips, yeah. those men are eating. They are going nuts on it. And so I, I, I think Loxley, I think Loxley is getting. I think he's. I don't think he's anywhere near Bielema, but I think that he is a a pretty comfortable number two here. And I want to point out here, like, there are some fat coaches to make 10. Like, there are some guys that are just hefty. Yeah. Mike Loxley is, like, fat. He's fat. living. Like, he's this, enjoying <laughs> it. He, this, is, this is not like, you know, he was a, he's been a football coach for 40 years and he stress eats. Like, no, Mike Loxley's yeah. doing it for the love of the game. This is. Yeah. He, I, <laughs> I just Google image search Mike Loxley. <laughs> and the fourth, the fourth picture here, like, it looks like Kermit the Frog is trying to escape through his hoodie. It's like how, yeah. how fat he looks. Like, yeah. there's like an impression of, like, both of his man boobs and his stomach bursting against this hoodie. Yeah. And they make these hoodies for guys who are fat. Like, yeah. these are, these are coached. <laughs> 
designed weird. Yeah, these are like they know yeah. these are guys for guys who are 300 pounds, and he's still busting at the seams. Yeah, no, I, I think Mike Loxley's putting him down. Number three for me, and this is going to be a controversial <laughs> pick. This is that I think, is so goddamn big. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. Yeah, I'm telling you, dude, he's doing oh, it for the love of the game. There's no, there's no stress there. It is pure when he's at the table. It's pure joy for him. It is, and it, you can tell too. Like he has a kind of man boob that like isn't just like the one that kind of like is sitting there. It slopes down to the side, yeah. dude. Like he's got enough that it's going like it's going cross-eyed a little bit. <laughs> like he's. <laughs> he's also spent yeah. most of his career coaching in the south which you yeah. can't just count either that's yeah. that's a different he's, kind of eating he's putting them down number three for me anyway so as I, as i said i think this is going to be a controversial pick but i i i think that i think it's well founded i think greg shiano he maybe he's not putting a ton down but i think he's really really enjoying the ones that he does i think greg shiano is a man who appreciates good food and i i think that he I just don't know there's a ton of other coaches in the league who can put down a ton of ribs. And I think if Greg Schiano had to, he he has the comp- the competitive spirit and the love of food that I, th- I think he can do it. Here's where I disagree because I, I also, the consensus pick, I think among most people would have said, oh, you got to have Paul Chris in your top three. You got to have Paul yeah. Chris. Paul Chris is fake fat. Paul Chris gets fat off milk and mm-hmm. cookies. He does not get fat off high protein meals. He's a, he's a sugar man. Uh, yeah. He's a sugar man. <laughs> I actually think the same of, of Greg Schiano. Greg Schiano is not a meat man. Greg Schiano is a pasta man. Mm. Schiano is putting on pounds from his from his Managat, from his lasagna. Yeah, from his raviolis. He's okay. he's getting in there. I don't think he's a rib guy, but who I do think is a rib guy, a guy who like only eats like four kinds of meals, and it's just like ribs, hot dogs, chicken fingers, and and you know maybe some like spaghetti with butter sauce. Mm-hmm. Is Pat Fitzgerald? Okay, Pat Fitzgerald has the has the palate of a six year old, yeah. and uh, in fact has eaten several of them in the past. Six year olds, I mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this is a guy who, palates, who yeah. you yeah you might think like oh Paul Chris not here, Mel Tucker not eat him. No, dude. Pat Fitzgerald is just solely eating meat. This guy is on like the, the Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a, uh, he, he has that dog in him a little bit too. Like Pat Fitzgerald, if he, he sees you and yeah, I say he has that dog in him in the sense that if you don't limit what he's eating, he will just eat until he throws up. Uh, <laughs> He doesn't have any sense of like how to stop eating. That's all he'll do. I, I've also just I've just considered like sounded like you were starting to say if you're eating near ribs near Pat Fitzgerald, his <laughs> eyes like go blank and he runs over towards <laughs> like a fucking Great Dane. <laughs> like like Pat Fitzgerald's watching film, whatever, and like one of his players walks in with ribs in the plates, and he just like he completely ignores the film. And as I can say, like a truly you know, trance like fixation on ribs, he cannot think about anything else possibly. <laughs> <laughs> Fitzgerald, the, to, when they try to get him out of the film room to get him onto the practice field, they just put on the windowsill some ribs, and he floats like a hobo in a cartoon all the way out to the ribs, like just smelling. Oh man! <laughs> oh man! Um, <laughs> uh, all right, we have our our next question here, and I think uh, either our last or our second to last, depending how we're feeling after this one. Yeah. It's from our good buddy and, and former friend of the show. No, sorry, sorry, still friend of the show, not former. <laughs> former guest of the show, former friend uh, of the Alan show. Saunders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> former friend of the show, dude. Alan, you're a fake friend. Uh-huh. You're, you're, you're cast out of a circle. Uh, Alan, you are. You're you're not eating the ribs. You're the, the ribs are just for us, man. We're eating. You are not back. invited to the cookout, That's frankly, right. dude. <laughs> Listen, he he accidentally sicked that that freak on us earlier, so he is he is in the oh, yeah. house right now. Um, okay, so Helen asks us, let's say the college athletes actually get paid from the schools and not just NIL. And then let's say the college athletes unionize. What would cause the first college athletics labor stoppage? Hmm. 
This I, is a good question. It, it, so I thought about this a little bit. Um, I think like the thing people are inclined to say is like the revenue share, whatever, between like coaches and players and how like unbalanced that will be. But here's the thing. Um, I, I don't know that like that would, uh, would actually happen. Like we've seen from, uh, what was the Michigan state booster? It was like just basically, or sorry, no, it was, it was the Eastern Michigan guy. The one who had, was yeah. it Eastern Char- Western Michigan? Char- I'm talking about Charlie, Batch, guy yeah. who, Charlie Batch. No, it wasn't Charlie. There was, yeah, Charlie Batch was like the head of the group. Whatever. There was like a billionaire behind him. Oh, They're just yeah. willing to throw a lot of money at the, at the transfers. And, sure. uh, you know, like, I think that's basically where this is going to trend. Like, like we talked about earlier in the episode, like, uh, facility arms races and, and, uh, like coaching, uh, coaching salaries. It's just been wildly inflated, uh, for the last couple of decades because all this new money from like TV money and just from like Bitcoin billionaires and people who have had like massive, uh, financial gains from the pandemic and, and all the other things are, uh, they just have to go somewhere, right? Like the money, they're going to spend it on college football. It has yeah. to go somewhere. It can't go to the players until now that it can. Yeah. So which I don't, which yeah. has created a very interesting dynamic with, with uh, <laughs> recruiting and things like that, that we, we might talk about a little bit. Um, yeah. I'm looking forward body. to like a coach being paid less than less than his, uh his like star quarterback at some point. I'm sure. I don't think that'll I'm ever sure happen just well. because of like coaching is a more durable thing and arguably the biggest correlation between uh, success in college football and uh, is just like how much you spend on an elite coach. Yeah. Um, I know this is hard for me. Do you have any thoughts here? So I, I don't know if there would be one sort of thing specifically that sets it off. I think it'd probably be any number of things. Um, you know, players getting cut uh, and like openly getting cut probably wouldn't go over great, I think. And then that would be, one that maybe they wouldn't be able to stop work over because they're technically in this case employees if if this was to happen and so I don't know if they would have a a case there but I, there are so many it's sort of a choice paralysis thing because there are so many fucked up things that happen to college football players that I, I think it could be any number of of things right um I mean you know just, we're only a couple of years removed from Maryland literally killing a kid and that would probably probably go to you know some level of of a work stoppage, you know, we're, we're two years removed from a lot of college football teams going out and, you know, protesting and, and their coaches in some cases, not really doing a great job of, of accompanying them in that. And some of them speaking publicly about their coaches, not doing a great job in that. And maybe you see those teams do that. Right. I, I think there are any number of things and it's, it's, it's a little bit, I don't know if it's a structural thing as much as it would be a situational thing essentially. Um, and so I don't, I don't know if I have a, I don't know if I have a strong answer on that. I do want to say on the, on the, the NIL stuff real quick. Um, I was talking yesterday as we're, we're recent, we're, we're working on a story right this, on this right now for Buckeye Sports Bulletin. And, and yesterday we were doing a lot of research. Never heard of it. Yeah, never heard of it. Yesterday we were doing a lot of research on these collectives. I don't know how much you've looked into this if you have also driven yourself insane learning about this stuff. But, um, and as we were looking into this, we kind of had the thought of like, what is to stop, <laughs> what is to stop like the big money donors from just paying into these directly and not giving donations for facilities and that it wouldn't happen because of the sort of tax write-off rules and also because ultra rich people don't really like to pay football players and or, or you know athletes or labor they would rather put their name on a building um but it is interesting to me to, to think about like where, where that's and it's not really the question but where that is headed because 
at like Tennessee specifically, people in this collective are going out and recruiting. They are like for 2023, they are openly going out and recruiting players. They are <laughs> going to kids' houses and saying, here's what the packages we can put together for you are. And that collective is associated with the University of Tennessee. Like Tennessee has acknowledged it. And so I, I do wonder on the NIL front, are we going to start to see, you know, speaking of position coaches who don't have to coach, are we going to start to see schools just planting fucking recruiters in these things? <laughs> you know, it's like they can just go to the, I'm, I'm just a private citizen. I don't work for the school. I get paid by the collective. Um, it doesn't matter that I was a recruiting coordinator for 25 years and now I'm working for this collective. I don't work for the school. I'm allowed to go, you know, to this guy's house and, and, and recruit. Um, it, it's, <laughs> well, I guess the answer is what's the difference, right? Like they were already coordinated with the boosters. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't know, like, is sure. it that much of a difference? Like, if you were any good at this, you're recording with the boosters, right? Yeah, well, yeah, obviously. But I don't know. Maybe having two of them is, <laughs> is beneficial. Yeah, you can have one doing yeah. it more openly, I guess. Um, you don't have to really operate under the, the, the shadows. Um, but it, it's just there's there's a lot of that stuff that I, I think there's just really not a great answer for. And the NCAA is entirely fucked. It has literally no options that it can do from a legislative perspective because it will get sued. Um, yeah, federally, uh, but I'm also like of the opinion that I don't think the NIL stuff matters that much. Right? I think it's like a couple years away from just like balancing it out. Like yeah. I, I don't think it's going to be a significant impact on recruiting. Well, like it's just it's, it's just, all going to work itself out. It's just making open what was already happening. Basically, it's you know here's yeah, the, and I mean like 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 what like there's going to be a school that previously sucked at football that all of a sudden is like good because it has rich boosters. Like like what like what is that school like? Who what what school that has no history football success? But just as rich boosters is going to suddenly find a boost that loves their football team is going to start investing millions in it and like with no return right like like yeah. we're not actually getting anything back out of this just like donating money to players who are mostly are not marketable you know the way most of this money is going to come from uh social media deals right like yeah. like nil collectives can only throw money at this for so long if they realize oh shit like hey we're spending 10 million dollars a year for recruiting class and we're only getting the fifth best recruiting class in the country and it turns out like we're still not that good because we don't have Nick Saban as our head coach. Like, damn, this doesn't work at all. And, oh, by the way, like our guys only have like, how many schools have an unlimited budget to spend every year of guys with our money to this? It's not that high. Like, yeah, I just don't get the point. I, I guess. I don't know. Like um, you have to keep up with the Jones. You have to do enough to do that, but it's not going to be, there's not going to be any, like this Texas A&M concern stuff is not because like they had any more NAL money. It's because Jimbo Fisher knows how to fucking recruit and they're in Texas and Texas sucks. And like this, the school of Texas, I mean, not, not the state, like mm-hmm. no, A&M is one of the, yeah, yeah. A&M, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, A&M is one of the best recruiting territories in the country and has a national championship winning coach who knows how to organize boosters and, and cheat like a dog. And uh, it works well for them. And that's all you have to say about it. Sure. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's also yeah totally totally fair. I, I I'm just I'm curious to see where it is uh, where it is heading if it will sort of you know balance out and level off. I think it probably will. I'm of that opinion as well. But I I do think that the like <laughs> the stuff about people working for these collectives actively going out and recruiting is just it's a little strange to see like written about in the athletic, right? You know, it's like here's the thing that the CEO is publicly saying with his name attached. Like that's a little. It's a little weird. It's it's just it's it's weird to see this out in public, even though it's obviously nothing really all that new. Um, but uh, yeah, as for the 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 labor stoppage thing, I think it would be, as I said, I think it would be more situational than it would be structural. I don't know if there's one structural thing that would cause it as much as like a player killed a kid, uh, or you know something along those lines. As as grim as that might be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, 
I don't know. It's uh, it's the sport, right? It just kind of is what it is. It's always just some new grotesque combination that everyone freaks out about. And yeah. then you know, three years later, it's like business as usual when it works itself out. Right. Yeah. Um, yep. One thing uh, I, I, we, I think this is our, this is our final question here before we get out of here. But one thing that did happen today in the news that I was kind of interested in and, and I wanted to hear your thoughts that uh, I saw Matt Luke resign from Georgia. Um, he's one of like se- their offensive line coach, by the way, former Ole Miss head coach for the people who don't remember him. Um, he's one of like several coaches last season to resign, citing kind of burnout and and working, uh, kind of like just work hours. Uh, and Bruce Feldman, I believe it was, pointed to the new recruiting calendar as a major impetus for this, as something where like uh, basically because of the year-round nature of recruiting, the time off that coaches had, or like the breaks from the coaching recruiting cycle are mostly gone. And if he thinks it's going to cause more resignations as people who have already made their nut and, and coaching salaries are going to kind of um, – back down these positions more and more and realize it's not worth it to work uh to work in college football at that level especially if you can still make like 100 grand a year as an analyst or uh you know work in the nfl as the 15th assistant um do you put any weight behind that what do you think of it um that sounds a lot like not my problem i, I i'll be honest i don't really yeah, yeah sure I don't, sure I don't, I don't, like okay. I, you know there will always be more assistance and like if you don't want to do it anymore then don't do it i i uh yeah, I, I would. I, I, we it, should, it, essentially, it, we should treat college football assistant coaches the way like guys who own McDonald's treat their workers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. What do you, you go? Go ahead. I'll find another one of you. I'll find another Matt Luke. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's oh, what are you running back coach? Like, I can get anyone to flip burgers. Like, don't worry about it. Like, yeah. uh, go on to your next job. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty. Pretty much. Like, I. I think these guys are pretty indispensable. Like, that's that's the big. You, you, we don't say it a lot. We, we do, but uh, dispensable, not indispensable. Yeah, dispensable it is. Like, <laughs> you know, the media types don't really say it a lot. A lot of these assistant coaches fucking suck at their jobs. They're really bad at their jobs. Like, I don't know if Matt yeah, Luke is. Is, is among that, but like. The difference between him and somebody else is not that not that large. It's there are not that many very good coaches. It's a hard job. It's it's hard to be a really good coach. It's it's skill, and yeah, I, I don't I don't really know if it's that big of a deal. Just go get a different one. There's always going to be new ones, and they're always going to be roughly the same level of quality. Um, it's yeah, I I, I don't see it as being a huge deal. They make like a you know five hundred thousand dollars a year to be an assistant coach. Uh, I'm sorry, you have to work 60 hours a week. I think you'll get over it. I, I think you'll live. Yeah, That's, yeah, not my, not my problem. Yeah, these guys are soft. They don't have dog in them. That's uh, right. They're, oh no, I have to go recruit. Like, shut up, dude. Don't do yeah. the job. Then no one's making you be a football coach. Yeah, go home. <laughs> go, go home. Go home. Not my problem. No, the only coach in college football who has that dog in him is Pat Fitzgerald, who literally has a dog in him. He is a dog. Yeah. That's no, and I mean he has a dog in him in a lot of ways. Hmm. Hmm. Anyway, uh, do we have any other? What, ones? He, he's doing white girl magic. I'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, a couple other questions here from our friend Drew Ham, and another one from our friend Greg. I think we probably can't get them today uh, yep. because my food's almost here. Sure. It's it's ten o'clock at night, and and Buenos Aires, Argentina, and I have not eaten dinner yet. Mm. Uh, and my food is on the way. And uh, your boy, your boy needs some uh, sustenance. So, yeah. Um, all right, yeah. I let's, think we're gonna leave it at that. Yeah, let's get out of here. This is uh, this is flipping the field. You can find us on Twitter at field flipping. I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. Ryan is at B1G underscore Ryan. Um, he's also the new. I'm also at Bill Simmons. He, I was gonna say he's also the new head coach of Michigan basketball, and so I'm excited to see how he handles these next uh, these next five games as he takes over in that role. I'll uh, tell you this: if I was there, instead said Juwan Howard would have gone down that way. Like Greg okay. Gard wouldn't be walking today if I was mm-hmm. there. Yeah, you would have killed him. You would have killed Greg Gard. Straight up, you would have killed him. Uh, and, and that and, is an actionable threat. 
<laughs> no, it's not because you, it's in the past tense. It's I would have. If I was there, I would have killed Greg Gard. Not that you will in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the I'm difference. going John Cheney mode. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You're going Dick Cheney mode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of Cheney. who is the who is the offensive line coach who is a Cheney? Was it Tennessee? Um, well, oh, I think he's also called John Cheney, right? Um, oh, I don't think so. Um, yeah. Uh, Cheney, Tennessee. Let's look this up. Yeah, this will be fun. Um, He's at Georgia too. Um, uh, James Cheney, who was the offensive coordinator. I think it goes by Jim. Jim Cheney. Jim Cheney. That's uh, right. He, <laughs> the fuck is James Cheney? Yeah, Jim Cheney. <laughs> He's listed good. on Wikipedia as James Cheney, like some That's kind of asshole. Up. That's fucked. Uh, He's now the off an offensive analyst for the Saints after he was OC for Tennessee in 2019 and 2020. Yeah, he was also OC for Georgia, Pitt, Arkansas. Damn, this guy was an OC for. What eight straight seasons in college and P five college yeah, football was not he, good at any of them the whole time. Well, and I, I, do, I mean, no longer than that. Sorry, uh, it was for eleven straight years. It was not good a single time. And before that, he did fucking the Iraq War, and I didn't like that either. And so I, I, just, I don't much care for this character. I think I'm, I think I'm ready to get rid of uh, Cheney's the the whole bloodline of Cheney's. Get them all out of here. No more. Damn, I'm sorry. This resume is insane, dude. He has been, uh, he he was at Purdue as an OC for eight years before he got fired there. Mm-hmm. This guy has been a P5 OC for like 20 of the last 25 years and has probably not produced a single top 10 offense the whole time. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's we, that's we, white we boy just, excellence. Yeah, we were just talking about how my, you know, they have to find a replacement for Matt Luke. There you go. This fucking asshole will do it. He will do it. He will coach your P5 school. Doesn't matter. They should hire Greg Stadrawa. I agree. They should hire Greg Stadrawa. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.